0: The following program was pre recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. We don't need no education. We don't need no thought control.
1: Get ready to take notes because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the Classroom, Save the Country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Mark Durkin. Welcome to Education America. We are taking steps to save the classroom so that we can save the country. And I am Rebecca Hagstrom, and my co-host Mark Durkin is out today. But we hope that you will come alongside us for K-12 Education is the playing field As the 16th President, Abraham Lincoln, succinctly stated, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. Tonight, we have the privilege of once again speaking with two ladies dedicated to restoring the black community's cultural roots of faith, family, and education. Last week, they shared with us why school choice is important and how education savings accounts would help Minnesota families looking to change schools. Tonight, our guests will share with us why critical race theory is so harmful in schools and why conservatives are beginning to support CRT, shockingly. They are involved with an organization called Take Charge Minnesota. Their names are Elfrida Baldwin and Kofi Manska. Elfrida Baldwin is a Chicago-area native, a retired attorney, who served in the role of in-house counsel at Securian Financial for 32 years. After retirement, Baldwin started volunteering in her school district. Spending time with elementary students caused her to reflect on the education she had received while attending a Lutheran grade school. It led her to want to start a Christian school accessible to families of all ethnic and financial backgrounds. She's currently working on a project to open a K-8 micro school in the Twin Cities. She also serves on the board of the Minnesota South District of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Alfria Baldwin is a wife, mother, and grandmother. And in addition to her work um, with Take Charge Minnesota, Kathy Monska is also an attorney. Coffee and her husband have three teenage boys, age 13, 15, and 17, and her oldest has special needs. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us once again tonight on Education America. Thank you. Thank you. Great to have you back. So let's just start with the most basic question because you know I think people hear the term critical race theory, but I think a lot of people don't really know what it means, which is one of the reasons why we're doing this show. Um, so can you uh, either Coffee or Alfreda, maybe we'll call on you, Coffee, to begin, you know, what what is critical race theory? And then Alfreda, please feel free to jump in.
2: Well, I just did some research, just looked I mean I you see it in schools every day, but you think, well, what is the definition and how are general people defining it. Yeah. And according to usnews.com it stated many Americans, especially white people, mm-hmm. believe racism is the product of intentionally bad and biased individual behavior. So that's what what white people think. But CRT reports that racism is systematic and inherent in much of the American way of life and no, yeah. ma- no matter how removed we are from its origins mm-hmm. we're still close to it and they mm-hmm. talk about how it's in every area of american life including housing economics education
1: and clean water clean water interesting yeah. oh so, my goodness um, who woulda guessed so right? it's everywhere it's in every <laughs>
2: system it's everywhere you look it's in everybody um it's mm-hmm. you know some definitions talk about it's individuals but it's also these systems and yeah. water yeah isn't and isn't natural disasters
1: Natural disasters are, yes. can be blamed back to white oppression as well, I guess, exactly. is what you're saying. Very interesting. Elfrida, I'm sure you probably have some things that you might like to add to that as well. <laughs> well, so um,
3: it really, what people really need to understand is that it's a concept that has its roots in Marxism. Mm-hmm. Um, Proponents of it will tell you that's not true, but um, if you look under the covers, that's really the case. Mm-hmm. So instead of um, classical Marxism, which um, divided people into groups based on class, mm-hmm. so the the worker class was the oppressed yeah. victim class, that and then, proletariat.
1: Uh, you're right, mm-hmm. and then
3: the bourgeoisie was mm-hmm. the um, the oppressor yeah. group. Um, what they have done is they have taken a look at our um, regrettable history mm-hmm. of Racial injustice in this yeah. country, and that 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 history exists, right? It's very real. Um, and the sin of of skin color partiality mm-hmm. exists. Um, they've taken that, and that's the new struggle. So, mm-hmm. if you're born and your skin is white, you are an oppressor. Mm-hmm. If you're born with black skin, you are a victim. Mm-hmm. There's no individual assessment of what you think or what you've done. It's once you're born, we look at your skin. We put you in one of these categories. You're stuck there. Mm
1: -hmm. Regardless of how much you achieve.
3: Exactly. That's
1: something that you and I have talked offline about before, that here, you know, both you two, Coffee and Alfreda, are accomplished attorneys. And yet, according to critical race theory, you are forever a victim. Right. um, Because you both are black. Exactly. And I forever am an oppressor because I happen to be white. And yet, you know, we can look back, as you say, on the sins of this country, um, but the sins of slavery and of racism, they're not just isolated to the United States of America. I mean, this goes way back in history. It was even in Africa there was enslavement. Right. And I think a lot of people forget that. And as you mentioned, coffee the whites define it this way. It's interesting that a lot of this is being pushed by upper class, um, kind of the intelligentsia the elite class of whites, are pushing this to a large degree.
3: That's correct. And it's, I I mean, I find that amusing because Mm
1: -hmm. if if the theory
3: is, if the setup is is that you're white, you're racist, you're always going to be racist, why is Robin DiAngelo's White Fragility a book that everybody is supposed to read (laughs) to to understand how racist everybody is? Why is this white woman... Why Speaking should I listen this. to her? Right, right. I don't. But,
1: you mm-hmm. know, right. I'm supposed to. <laughs> thankfully, you don't. But
2: <laughs> and why should kids trust the education system when they say, when they say they are racist? Right. You know. And so right.
1: it's a good point, Kathy. It's yeah. a good point. And that actually leads us into our next question. <laughs> so why is critical race theory harmful in the schools? I mean, you made just one point that's very important. You know, why would we trust the schools if they say they're racist? Um, but you know, what are your thoughts on? Yeah, that? Well,
2: my kid was given an assignment. It was to read the Scholastica. Um, article. Mm -hmm. And in the article, there were questions, after the article, there's questions the teachers gave him to Mm -hmm. answer an assignment based on it. But in it, it did say that he would, because he's black, Mm -hmm. he would face racism in every facet of his life. He'd have a difficult time getting raises. He'd have trouble getting good health care. And that the education system was racist. So I did write the teacher and the principal and ask them what they're going to do about their racism and how can I ensure my kid is going to get a fair grade in this class? And and what are you going to do? Because you've just told him that your system is racist. Right. So, How it's a very it's, really a very it's a very hopeless message that mm-hmm. they give kids. Mm-hmm. Um it creates I read this in this book I I have called um some, social justice is not biblical justice, but it creates paternalism and guilt on one side and dependency and entitlement on the other. Mm-hmm. And it's this used to just be in the colleges. Like when I was in college in the mm-hmm. 90s, I had a socialist professor and I actually had a crisis in my life because I was taught this critical race theory. And I started thinking that all of my white friends hated me. I felt very lonely. I cried a lot. Because oh, I'm like, if if awful. white people are racist, then my friends are white. Right. They must be racist. Oh, my goodness. Copy, <laughs> so that's awful. The sad thing is now this is happening to children who are...
1: Immature you know, and yeah, don't in have elementary emotional... school. I mean,
2: I didn't have the skills to deal with it in college barely. And now it's happening to kids... And my kids are in school and get this crap all the time. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, my son brings it to me. Mom, how do I respond to this? How how am I respectful to my teacher but yet confront this? Right. And he hates it. Every single class they bring up race. I mean, music, science, he refused to do a science assignment because he had to pick a black person or, you know. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to make him do it. And then I was like, oh, well. Yeah. You go. Do, do your thing. You're right. Go well, <laughs> it's because It's absolutely.
1: Ridiculous, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he just
2: thinks, "Why can't people be people? Why can't we judge people right. based on the content of their character? Why is everything about skin color?" Right. And this I, is from a child.
1: Don't you don't you think about? Um, you know, I think about Brown versus the Board of Education. I think of Martin Luther King, and I feel like we are we are going backwards with critical race theory. They are segregating in the basis of on the basis of race. It makes no sense to me um, why there would be this segregation. Which, like I said, it seems to be going backwards. You know it just well you know it
3: just it all seems sinister to me and quite honestly as a Christian, it seems demonic mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's just something really off about yeah. all of this because it doesn't do anybody any good. Mm-hmm. all it does is create anger, resentment in white kids it creates a sense of guilt.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, my other concern is if you start telling toddlers, and that's literally what they're saying. It's not too early to talk to your kids about racism. So you tell a As toddler toddlers? Yeah, I have not heard yeah. that. Wow. So you start with toddlers and you tell them, you know, you're white, you're a racist, you're a white supremacist. Those black people, they can't they can't do stuff because they're black. Oh my goodness. You're you're creating Demeaning. you're creating a mindset mm-hmm. that you are mm-hmm. superior. Mm-hmm. The other side of it is you tell black kids those people hate you. You, you aren't quite as good as they are because you can't do these things, you're creating a victim mindset. Right.
1: At the youngest of ages. Yeah. So
3: So we, we really are going to set ourselves up for down the road, a generation of white kids who think they are supreme mm-hmm. and black kids who think yeah, I'm a victim. I can't I can't succeed. And I also mm-hmm.
2: can't be responsible for my behavior. It's exactly. not my fault. It's my skin color's fault. Mm-hmm. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly.
3: Mm-hmm. One of the most heartbreaking things I have read that really hit me um, was the story of a mom in Evanston, um, a, a black mom who said her children had been exposed to CRT in their classroom, and her son had always said he wanted to be an attorney, came home one day and said, Mom, I can't be an attorney. <gasps>
1: Oh, I bet she was furious. She
3: was furious, and it was a dagger to my heart yeah. because I thought about being a child in a classroom mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. I would not be where I am right. if I had a teacher who was white who I was thinking hated me and yeah. was telling me, "Don't worry about spelling your words right because you're black and you can't." Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and here I am yeah.
2: growing up in a house with a drug addict mom, sitting on the floor looking at our little tiny black and white, you know, twelve. 12- inch by 12 inch TV. television, TV. watching a burning bed, thinking I'm going to be a lawyer when I grow up and I'm getting out of stump.
1: Wow. <laughs> and I um, love
2: that. You know, dreams. and that was and that was way back then. You would think there would have yes. been closer or more. it's closer to legal racism. You think that I would right. have, you know, had my dream squashed. But no, right. I didn't have that. And mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. kids have that. And it's, you know, they could they could have a good family and be and very, very bright and being told right now that they can't that do they any. can't do mm-hmm. it I when I was it. able to make it through. Yeah, it just, it goes against everything. I had a drug addict mom. I had a lot of abuse, sexual abuse in my mm-hmm. life uh, from a stepbrother. I had many, many challenges yeah. in my life. And so it's hard for someone, you know, for someone to tell me or for me to swallow the fact that,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, that kids can't make it. Even when they have challenges, no matter what color they are, right? they can overcome. They can.
1: Yes. Right. And that's the message they need to be hearing. Right. That is the oh. Yeah.
3: And that's the message we used to give. Mm-hmm. I mean, so if you think about the old civil rights song, We Shall Overcome.
1: Yes. Yes. They would never play they would that, never song, play that today. song anymore. Right. <laughs> no, right. the song today would be until those mean white people stop being mean to us, we can't do anything. Right. Right. Which which win is that? Because there doesn't ever seem to be an end goal either. No. You know, that's one of the things that I thought about when I saw what would, what the school district was doing, where they're. Um, asking their school leaders and school board to take this survey of basically how, how, how woke they are. And then they put together a individual growth plan for every single person. And I thought to myself, well, that implies that every single person needs some type of a growth plan. That means where, what is the end goal? Right When, when are you woke enough that you don't need this work? And that's where the other thing that I find really confusing is that there doesn't seem to be an end point. Right. And I think that's also very confusing for people on, on all right. sides. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's talk about, uh, I know we were going to talk about uh, how it's harmful to schools. Do you have other things that you want to add about that before I move on to the next topic? Um, I think you covered that pretty well. There's there's just the, the core of being told that you're either a victim or an oppressor, right. which is what the schools are doing.
3: And then the lowering of standards, you yes. know, like and telling people that math is racist and it doesn't matter if you get the right answer. So mm-hmm. one of the things I find troubling and baffling is you have all these businesses saying we want to have a more diverse workforce. Mm-hmm. United Airlines, for example, saying we want half of our flight deck to be people of color. Mm-hmm. Are they really going to hire pilots who can't read and write or exactly do math? Exactly. Right. So if black kids buy into this, they're going to be shut out mm-hmm. of jobs. Mm-hmm.
1: They're not going to have any hope for for really right. being able to achieve what you two have both exactly. achieved. Yeah. Yeah, that has been one of my biggest frustrations with it as well, as well as behavior. You kind of touched on that right. briefly. And if 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 students aren't held to a high standard academically and behaviorally, that is going to serve them very poorly for their future because in all reality – in order to hold, well, in order to go to college and be successful, and then in order to hold down a job, you have to be respectful. You have to learn, um, you know, how to give and take. There's there's just no way that you can go on through life without being taught these basics right. of what is right and wrong. And
3: I think that's, people should consider the impact of all of this on interactions with the police. Mm-hmm. If you've got point. a history of, Defying authority and getting away with it, mm-hmm. and then you're out, and you run into a situation with the police, and you don't have any concept of respect for authority. Right. Even if the police officer is a jerk, yep, it's not the time to
1: right <laughs> to, be to be arguing to be arguing. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And that's
3: that's there's mm-hmm. just so many things that are just really dangerous yeah. about this. And who's so teaching them
2: these things? They're white right. teachers who are teaching them. Right. They're white liberal teachers are teaching them that they can't. Behave because culturally they're not capable of it. Right. Because of their skin color, they are lesser than. They don't. They don't have behavior skills that that nice white kids have. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of expecting a lot of them because we're all equal, we're right. all born equal, right. and that and That's we can exactly all achieve right. if we're held to a high
1: standard. Right. right. That is the right way to go about it. Um. So tell me what a little bit about what culturally responsive teaching is and why it's harmful. Alfreda, maybe you can take that one.
3: Sure. Well, you know, when you talk about it, it sounds great. So it's the notion that the teacher should look at her student or his student and understand who they are, where they come from, and um, use that to help establish the best environment to to teach that child. Mm -hmm. That's just common sense. Mm -hmm. My issue with culturally responsive teaching is it, it, it makes a teacher walk into a room and and it all came out of the fact that there are so many white teachers right. and um, black students in particular were performing poorly. Mm-hmm. So the decision was, or the, the thought was, it, the, the kids are performing poorly because you're white and you don't understand their mm-hmm. culture. Mm-hmm. So we're going we're gonna to help you fix that. But the culture they've decided these kids come from is a culture where we don't sit down and listen, mm-hmm. where we don't respect authority. Where we don't work hard, you know, all the things that are have now become white, white, right? Um, which never
1: was the case. Which when never you were was up. the case, mm-hmm. and
3: so now, you know, I think about myself. I was a chatty Kathy. I'd get my work mm-hmm. done, and then I would talk to my neighbors. Yeah. Well, the teacher called my parents, and they put a stop to that. Yep. I'm thinking today they would never call my parents mm-hmm. because they would assume that me being chatty Kathy and bothering my neighbor mm-hmm. was black. Yeah. Um, and so that, I, it's very harmful because it it makes a teacher put all of her students based on their skin color into a particular mm-hmm. culture and treat them as a
1: group and assign them these behaviors that may not even really be who they are. Right, right. Well, and, and they're certainly not the best of. You know, even if they did come out of an environment, some of the kids in their classrooms, where respect maybe isn't demanded at home and we know that that happens in families of all races exactly and that's why I think it's so important that the teachers do hold that bar high regardless of what race or skin color these kids have because that is how they learn to succeed in life that's right so there's there's a culture
3: of of the public square yeah that we all have to work in yeah and that should be what the school is trying to inculcate in their students yeah. It's this behavior that makes you, a fit citizen. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to let people do whatever they want, however dysfunctional it might be, you're not helping them.
1: No, and they're going to end up being either on welfare or in prison. And then they talk about the prison the school to prison pipeline and I'm thinking, well you're only making it worse with, you know, these critical race theory um, practices. So it's frustrating. Um, Coffee, do you have some thoughts on how parents should oppose critical race theory and culturally responsive teaching?
2: Um Alfreda will cover that. Okay,
1: sounds good. <laughs> she
2: has some thoughts. She told me ahead of time. Okay, so that's okay. I'll let her good. share yep.
3: first. Well, my first thought is people have got to get brave. Yes. Um, the white people who are being told they're racist, who have never even thought anything that would be considered racist, need to just say, you know what, knock it off. Yeah. And black people who um, are letting themselves um, be told that they're victims – Need to push back mm-hmm. on that, mm-hmm. um you know, I defy anybody to tell me they have white privilege,
1: right
3: I'm going to tell you that I think that if you say that, I think you're you're the racist because mm-hmm. what privilege do you have over me right. um so first of all, people have to be brave, but then there's some concrete things I think we can do. Every parent is entitled to know what their child is being taught, they're entitled to see the curriculum, and if they object to it, they are entitled to find alternative instruction. Mm-hmm. They need to exercise their right mm-hmm. under that state statute.
1: Yeah, that's actually a great piece yep. of advice.
3: Um, I think people need to go to their school boards. Mm-hmm. And I think people need to find like-minded people, band together, mm-hmm. and go as a group to school boards and ask, what are you doing? How's my tax dollar being spent? Are you spending it on these diversity and inclusion? People who are coming in to tell white kids they're evil and black kids they're stupid.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, people have to run for
1: school board. Yeah. Yeah. And they need to run as a group so that yes, they can yes. really get get the whole school board. Uh, otherwise, if you just have one person, um, it's not quite enough to really do anything. Right. They can maybe put up some fights, but they're not, they're not strong enough alone. And so I do really recommend that people running in groups. And I also think people, like you said, need to inundate the school board meetings. Right. Um, yeah. I just heard about a group up in Centennial that's doing that. A group of parents is actively pushing back on critical race theory entering in the Centennial schools. And they are working with one of those consultants, like you said. Sure. Oh, they're all yeah. over. They're yeah. all over. Mm-hmm. And it's like
2: when there's one lady who's also making, doing a lot of work, I've heard.
1: Yeah. But I wonder if she's the one that's, there is a consultant that's working with the Social Studies Standards Committee. Did you know that? Mm. So they start their meetings, their open meetings with a culturally sensitive type of activity run by this consultant. And so they're, she's setting the tone. For their meetings, every single time they meet, at least the public ones. Well, awesome. and what's mm-hmm.
3: so frustrating is whose culture is she representing? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not the culture that I came from.
1: Yeah. Well, and she's black, but, but I it's... would agree with you. She is not representing what the two of you were raised with. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's talk about why people who are generally conservative – are starting to support critical race theory. What yes, I see that, that as a
2: major problem. Yeah. I mean, you can hardly find a church these days to go to who this has not this has not invaded the church. Yeah. Um and I think that conservatives are starting to fall for it because they feel like Jesus said be loving and be compassionate mm-hmm. and be be compassionate to the drow- downtrodden and the mm-hmm. poor and mm-hmm. the poor in spirit. Well, I think it's fine to be downtrodden to the poor in spirit to be nice to the people who are downtrodden. How mm-hmm. and to be compassionate. Mm-hmm. However, you don't you're not compassionate to someone because of their skin color. Because of their skin color, they're not born lesser than you. They're born equal. They're not lesser than. So you don't need to feel sorry for me because I'm black. I could probably help you out, give you a dollar or right. two, give you some legal advice. <laughs> right. Help you on your way. Give you yes. a place to stay for the night. You're gonna feel exactly. sorry for me. Right. So um so that's why I feel like there's they're being guilted into it. But really what they're being guilted into is racism. Mm-hmm. And so they should say, no, I'm actually an anti-racist. So I'm not going to buy into that. I'm, I'm kind to people who, who need kindness, but some, and who need compassion or charity, mm-hmm. but, but people don't need charity just because of their skin color, because we're all born, we're all born equal, mm-hmm. no matter what our skin right. color. And so I think that is how, um, how they're being duped into it. And then just lies like they're, you know, police are shooting black people everywhere you go. Every you know, I heard Michelle Obama saying some quote on oh, if Barack went to the gas station, he could get shot. You know, oh, so just, just I mean, no matter how high you get, you got this Prince Harry's wife, whatever her name is, talking right. about how oppressed she is. You know, I mean, it's like yeah. Oprah and LeBron's oppressed. <laughs> um, so you know,
1: it just the millionaires that are yeah. oppressed, right? So Gosh, I don't know. So wish. it's just like
2: um, so they're being guilted into it through lies. Yeah. you know. Also, through mm-hmm, lies, mm-hmm. Like, they need to use logic, look at numbers and use logic and see, oh, wait, people of color it's, it is are not so down and out just because they're a person of color. Right,
1: right. Such a strong statement. And I think pastors really need to lead the way on this. I think they need to take some responsibility for this because, like you say, that's really not true Christianity. Christianity is helping those who really do need help and treating everyone equally.
2: And it's based yeah. on Christianity is based on personal sin. It's a personal sin. Right. There's a personal repentance and there's a personal salvation. Mm-hmm. You are not responsible for anybody else's sins. You're responsible for your own sins. And God is capable of redeeming you, unlike with the CRT states. Right. Right. So right. you can't be responsible for anybody else's sins but your mm-hmm. own. And if you mm-hmm. don't if you haven't wronged anybody, there's no reason to walk around yeah. feeling guilty. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Good great, great comments. So um, we have about three minutes left that we can finish up on talking to about a couple of these topics where we could almost do a whole nother show with you. Um, But what are some resources that you think you could give for listeners to learn more about critical race theory? And then what are some groups that are fighting against critical race theory?
2: I'll start with my favorites quick. Uh, Body Bachman is my favorite. He has lots of YouTube videos and he has a new book called Fault, Fault Line. Jason Whitlock, he's a sports commentator, and I just like him. Like, I feel like he could reach a lot of people who, you know, yeah. who are, you know, he's just very approachable, and I love Jason Whitlock. And Larry Elder is another favorite of mine. Um, he's on The Patriot, I think. Um, and yes, yes, I heard him last night. He's amazing. Yep. And then he's got lots of YouTube videos, and there's a, a movie, a documentary called Uncle Tom that I recommend everybody watch. Hmm. It sums up CRT. It sums it up so perfectly. We watched really? it as a family. Okay, and,
1: Uncle Tom, can you watch it on next Netflix or something? Um,
2: or? I think you can get it on Netflix mm-hmm. and Amazon okay. and all of okay. those places. So okay. those are my um, those are my faves. Great, Go
1: great. Ahead. And then I know that you're both a part of Kendall Qualls' group, um, Take Charge Minnesota, mm-hmm. and that's TakeChargeMN.org. And then you two ladies are part of a group of five women called the Exodus. And can you say the name of your website again? The Exodus MN. Dot org okay the exodus mn dot org that's wonderful and then i know that there are some books you mentioned Vody, um what's his last name again fault line what bachman bachman okay does he watch have...
3: b-a-c-h-u-m i think all right
1: b-a-c-h-u-m does he have a book as well fault
3: lines that's the, the lines. new book
1: okay very good and do you have any more to add to that elfrida um
3: i would suggest people check out 1776 unites.com mm, okay. also check out their Facebook page um, they launched their initiative as a counter to 16 the 1619 project oh, which we great. don't have time to talk about right they have just collected a bunch of essays into a book called well, something like red black something or another okay um, but it's Bob Woodson is the founder. If Mm -hmm. you Google him, he's on Fox all the time. Former civil rights activist who... um Just sees things clearly. Yeah,
1: that's outstanding. So that's Bob Woodson, 1776unites.com. Yes. Very good. And um, exodusmn.org and takechargeminnesota.org. Elfrida and Coffee, thank you so much for joining us here today. I know we'll be having you back frequently as guests on our show, and you have so much to add to this topic and conversation and perspective. Love having you here. Thank you to our listeners, and we look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you.